Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Well, this morning we're going to be continuing, I believe it's part five on wisdom. And today I'm going to be talking about the weight of your words. You know, for so much of my life in faith, it has been about knowing the right information. And there's nothing wrong with knowing information, but let's face it, there's no way you can know all the things that you need to know. Even as a parent, right, even as we just dedicated Dylan, how do you have enough wisdom to raise a child when you don't know what that child is going to go through, who their friends are going to be, what influences they're going to have, what kind of music they're going to like, if they're going to want to play the drums or not? What do you do with all these things, right? I mean, you've got to kind of work your way through this, and there's no way that you can know all the information, but how important it is to know how to process things and how to deal with things. Even if you don't have all the information, you can deal with things in a place, in a way that is wise. And that's what we're trying to do is embrace this understanding. And it's an ancient tradition that talks about wisdom. Really, the scriptures are about wisdom. They're not just about giving you the right information. It's about trying to help us to live in this world in a way that is wise. And so these books of wisdom are here so that we can grow and learn how to step in to the situations that we encounter. And it's really important that we recognize these things. This morning, I want to talk to you about a big lie, seventh grade history, parenting and business seminars, self-help seminars, and a tour bus in Wales, okay? When we talk about our words, the word that is used for word in Hebrew is devar. Everyone say devar. Now, that word is the same word that they use for things. So words and things are coming from the same word. You see, Words have weight. Words are things. Words have substance. Maybe like me, you grew up hearing sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt me. That's a lie. I've been hurt by lots of names. I've been hurt by lots of words. They do hurt you and they can wound you profoundly because Words have weight. 
They are things of substance. And unless we recognize that, we will treat them less than they deserve. In Proverbs 15, verse 4, it says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. There is the weight that is there. A soothing tongue brings life, but a perverse tongue or a tongue that moves away from what is good crushes the spirit. Those who guard their lips preserve their life, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Now, again, these proverbs that talk about words are here to try and help us recognize that Words are the material of life. Words are the things that carry on in us. It's like things that we wear. How many maybe have had a teacher that have told you that you're a loser and you're not going to amount to anything? I know some who have. And that has weighed on them. Or maybe you had a girlfriend and she said, let's be friends. And that weighed on you too, right? Or what if you had a parent who said, why are you so stupid? Why can't you be like your sister? Or what if you have a spouse that says, it was a mistake to marry you? Do you see how these things will weigh on you, that you will carry these things years, how those words will impact your life in a dramatic way. Those things you will carry for the rest of your life. Except maybe let's be friends. If you get another girlfriend, then you'll forget that one. But otherwise they have a way of haunting you, holding you captive to these things. But In the same way that they can cripple you, they can also give you inspiration. They can give you life. You can hear things that change the direction of your life or how you see yourself. I remember I had a seventh grade history teacher. His name was Mr. Schifrin. I don't know his first name. It was Mr., but his last name was Schifrin, right? And Mr. Schifrin was a tough teacher. This was back a while ago. And if you were caught dozing in Mr. Schifrin's class or talking, he would take the chalkboard eraser and throw it at you and bean you in the head. That was back in the day, right? He was very accurate with those. It was kind of amazing to watch, you know. And this was back in the 70s, and so you'd have a kid with long hair and get beamed with the eraser, and they'd have chalk on their head for the rest of the day. But I remember in Mr. Schifrin's class asking him a question about the Roman Empire. I think that's what we were talking about. And I asked him this question, and he stopped, and he paused, and he said, Mr. Scotty, you're very insightful. You got a good head on your shoulders. Now, I can't tell you what the question was that I asked him. Right, I don't have a good memory, but I got a good head on my shoulders, right? I carry that with me to this day. I remember how I felt when he said I was insightful. I like looked around the room and wanted, yeah, you hear that, guys? Mr. Schifrin thinks I'm insightful. 
and I've got a good head on my shoulders. Now, I didn't always prove him right, but that carried with me. That stayed with me for years. And I don't know why it meant so much to me, but I wear it to this day. And these words that have substance, they're things that provoke us in healthy ways or in unhealthy ways. They can just clip us at the knees or they can pull us up and hold us. And recognizing this is very important. I mean, think of how many times words frame an environment. I mean, maybe even this morning as we were singing these songs, there was a song that we sang, and those words set the atmosphere. You know, when Randy just stopped playing and we were all singing, it's like something changed. These, these words started to change the, the whole atmosphere in this place. You hear a song, those words mean something. I mean, think of how many movies you watch and there's lines in movies that stick with you and that we carry them even in our life. Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore, right? You go somewhere and you can spew off that, you know, Wizard of Oz or Houston, we have a problem. And we all know what that means. Those words stick with us. They kind of hold on to these things. Your words are important. They can shape your home. They can shape how things are with you and your family. Proverbs 12, verse 18, it says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Your words will frame that space. That you're at. Imagine you go somewhere and someone sees you and they say, What are you doing here? I just thought I would come by, say hello, right? It, it shapes how you feel in that place. What if they say, Oh, I'm so glad you're here? See, those words change your perception of where you're at, and all they are is words. You see, we are unique in this way. Our words connect us to so much. One of the things I tell people when I train dogs is tell them, don't use words because it doesn't mean anything to your dog. That's just free, by the way, for you guys who have dogs. All those things that you say to your dog, you know, oh, Rex, get down, Rex. Oh, stop bothering Rex. Rex, don't do that. Don't do that. That means absolutely nothing to Rex, by the way. All he hears is Rex, 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 right? How would you feel if that's all you heard, right? Ben, Ben, you'd be, huh, 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 huh? And you wonder why your dog's neurotic is because you're throwing words at him that mean nothing, but to us, they mean something. To us, they have significance. To us, it sets a mood. And you guys know this. You're in relationships, and one of you says something, and the relationship takes a turn. Right? You're all happy. You know, everything's going great. And you serve your husband dinner and he goes, oh, we're having that? (laughs) No, we're not having anything, right? (laughs) 
It could change the whole evening. Trust me on that one. If we would learn how to conduct our words, we could actually enjoy the relationships we have. Sometimes our words are so much filled with tension, we're walking on eggshells, worried about offending, worried about what we're going to say. And then sometimes they bring wings into the relationships where you feel like, oh man, this is good. I remember when our kids were young and I would leave my wife alone with four children, four little ones in diapers. I would call to hear how things were at home to just, hello. And if I heard, hey, hon, how's it going? I'd be, ah, it's good. If I heard, hello, I'm like, ah, all right, she had a rough day. I've got to go home. Those words meant everything. And if I would have known, I could have actually projected into that. Instead of me just, hello, I could have been, hey, babe, I'm coming home and I'm going to relieve you of duty from those kids, give you a break. Oh, why didn't I think of that? I wasn't as insightful as I was in seventh grade, right? (laughs) If I would have known, my words could have changed things instead of they're just words. They're not just words. There's something definitely more than that. In Proverbs 10, 21, it says, The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for a lack of sense. Do you know your words can bring nourishment? It can help people. And again, it will shape where you're at and what you're doing. If you have to go to a business meeting, right? And you go into a business meeting and you sit down and they start off the meeting saying, hey, sorry, you have to be here. I'll try and keep it short. It's already too long, right? When you tell me you're sorry and you got to keep it short, I'm thinking, how short can you keep it? Because this doesn't sound like I really need to be here. But if in turn you go into the business meeting and they say, thanks for for being here. I think you can really make a difference in what we're going to be doing. Well, heck, let's go. You know, I mean, bring on the meeting after all. I've got a good head on my shoulders. Let's do this, right? You see, one is inviting you to see potential. The other is telling you there's nothing here for you to see. And it shapes that environment. This happens in work and it happens all through life. It happens when we parent. Oh, God, forgive me for the things that I did to my children. Now, you with young children, one day you will probably say the same thing. It's just something that keeps on happening. We keep learning and we keep growing. But so much of my child understanding was based on this shame mentality. Why did you do that? And putting this on our kids and these kinds of things start to really shape our kids and lock them in. Why do you always do that? See, when I say something like that, what I'm doing is I'm telling my kid, this is who you are. 
Why do you always do that? They don't know why they always do that, right? Kids don't know why they do anything. I mean, young kids, well, some not so young kids still don't know why they do things, right? But it's like, why did you throw the rock at your sister? Why do you always do things like that? And you're saying it out of frustration and your kid who is trying to figure out who they are has now been told by someone who is over them, this is something that you always do. There must be some reason why you always do these kinds of things. But imagine if instead you said, hey, we don't do those kinds of things. That's not how we do things in our family. What you're now doing is you're calling your child to be more. You're calling more out of them. You're helping them to see that they are more than just this silly thing that they did. And your words can either lock their minds in or open their minds up. That's huge. That is huge. Helping them to see that they have more potential and not making them think that they are less just by the words you choose. Now, I understand it's frustrating. Kids do things and you're like, why did you do that? That just seems so foolish. But choose what you say because the lips of the righteous, they can nourish them. Fools die for a lack of sense. In other words, they don't know what they could do. They think this is all there is. And I could make that a reality just by the words that I use. And it's important that we recognize this because one of these things is defining them. And the other is actually helping them to be more. And that's true with our friends, that's true with our coworkers, that's true with the people we are around. The words you use have impact. People will wear them, especially if you're in a position of authority, like a parent, like a boss. If you want to see your company become successful, use the right words to help your people move forward. Instead of trying to belittle them, shame them into working harder. I mean, how does that work for you guys? What motivates you? Someone telling you all the things you're doing wrong or someone telling you, hey, I see potential in you. Right? So think about how we do those things. One of the powers of being in authority to kids or to whoever is the ability to call people to be a better version of who they are with your words. That you could call that out of somebody. You could call that out of your children. That you see things in them and you can pull that out of them. A few years back, I went to this self-help seminar. It was kind of like a poor man's... Tony Robbins thing, right? And one of, I mean, it was kind of like a three-day 
action-packed thing where you're there from like 7 in the morning to like 10 at night and you're doing work and you're conversing and you're being called out to be a participant in this. And so everyone is having to participate and there's probably about 60 people in this group and it was exhausting. And there was this one exercise that we had to do where there was this reenactment of if you were on a boat and the boat was sinking and only so many people could be saved out of the 60 people, how would you stand up and present your reason to be one of the people who lived in this, right? So all these 60 people have to stand up and say, I think I should live because this, 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 and present the case of why they need to live. And I got up and I said, well, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus and I am going to give up my spot for someone who I want to see carry on, I think it should be a mother of children because she's got, you know, a responsibility of raising life. And I stood up and I gave this because you had like a 30 second window or something to give your speech. And afterwards, the Tony Robbins leader guy, you know, just chastised me. He just blasted me and said, your life is worth nothing to you that you wouldn't fight to save your life? What about your kids? You're going to think they're going to be happy with you? And he and I went at it, right? In front of this room, I was just like, okay, we're going to go here. I'll go here. I haven't slept in a day. Let's go, right? (laughs) And he and I just started going back and forth. And I said, well, my faith says that what I do is going to have a difference. They go, they won't have a difference on anybody. You'll be gone and you'll be forgotten. And no one will remember you after you're gone. Your kids will be, you know, why did you do this and this? And I said, well, I don't think that's true. I think that my sacrifice will matter because it matters to me that someone died for me. And we just went at it and went at it and went at it. And then finally it stopped, you know, because he had to keep going on. And I was just. (sighs) And afterwards he came up to me and he goes, I appreciate your passion. Don't ever lose that. And I was like, okay, I don't hate you. (laughs) And then we had to go around the room and we had to tell someone if they lived or die. We had to go to each person and says, I choose death. I choose life. I choose death. Everyone throughout the room had to choose, I forget how many people it was, five people, whether they lived or died. And you could choose yourself to live or not. And so I remember there was a lady next to me, and she came by me, and she says, death, right? So I'm dying. And then went through the room, and then I, it was my turn, and I went around the room, and I, I did choose the ones who I knew were moms, because um, that just seemed like the right thing for me to do. And I came to her, and she wasn't a mom, but I said, life. And then I stopped, and that was it. And then afterwards, she said, why did you choose me? I said, well, because I wanted you to know that it meant it was a sacrifice. She started crying, right? Cause, and I just wanted to tell the guy, hey, see, it made a difference to this person. <laughs> <laughs> but him telling me he appreciated my passion and not to lose it meant a lot to me. It meant a lot because sometimes I feel that I don't know if I should be as passionate as I am. Sometimes I feel like it can get in the way. Sometimes I feel like it can be a problem, but it meant something to me when he said, don't lose that passion. And I thought, I don't want to lose that, right? I I know that I'm losing energy. I'm losing strength. I don't do the things I used to do. 
you know, 10, 15 years ago. I, I don't like to run. It just hurts thinking about it, right? I, I don't have the energy to stay up as late as I used to. If I don't get a few hours, man, I'm gone. It just wipes me out. It never used to be like that, but it is now. But I don't want to lose my passion. I don't think I need to give that up. I just might have to go to sleep to regain it, but that's important. And it was validated by this man whose name was Dan at that time. And it was something that I held on to to this day. See, our words are generative. They have the power to create and they have the power to tear down. When you're stuck in a job or in a relational rut, you're overwhelmed by circumstances and someone comes and says something to you that can push you over that hump, that can get you to go forward and to continue to go on. Like Ben's poem, keep pedaling. Right? That helps you not to give up in this situation. And we need that. We need that. About 10 years ago, I was on a tour bus in Wales with the group that I was leading, and I was a wreck. I was emotionally a wreck. I, I was going to be finishing this trip in Wales, and I was not going to have a job, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I was going to maybe go in dog training, but it looked like I would not be in ministry, and so I wasn't sure what I should do afterwards, and I was kind of freaking out. And I remember just being in this kind of zombie-like state throughout this trip. And, and I loved these people and I loved being over there. But I remember just being kind of comatose throughout this trip. And I remember on a tour bus in Wales, I was listening it was to Erwin McManus. And he was talking about a passage in Samuel where Jonathan, Saul's son, pushed forward and did something that seemed stupid. It seemed reckless, but he pushed forward because he felt, what else am I supposed to do? And I can remember while I was hearing those words, something started growing inside of me saying, you can't quit. You can't stop. You are not going to end here. You are going to push forward even if it's on your hands and knees. I get choked up just thinking about it because it was a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal moment in my life. And Genesis is here now because of the words I heard on that bus then. That said, you don't stop here. You don't quit. You move on forward. And maybe those are the words you need to hear. It doesn't end here. You're not stuck. It's a moment, but you have the ability to push forward. You have the ability to carry things on. Here's some words for you. Your sins are forgiven. I I don't know if you understand that. Your sins are 
forgiven. You see, Jesus, when he was talking, some guys tore open a roof and dropped this paraplegic down in front of him. And he looked at the man and he said, your sins are forgiven. He wasn't even asking for anything. He just told him, hey, I've got some good news for you. Your sins are forgiven. And everyone got upset at him. Who are you to forgive sins? What's going on? He goes, okay, get up and walk. Okay, now that's besides the point. But here's the good news. Your sins are forgiven. What does that mean? That means you are not going to be held accountable for all the crap you've done. Your sins are forgiven. Those words can change your future. I want you to look to the person next to you and tell them, your sins are forgiven. Now, a paraplegic got up and walked after that. You can get up and live after that. Wherever you are, I want you to know this. Your sins are forgiven. That's what Jesus does. You see, I mean, throughout Scripture, we we see the weight of these words. Even in Genesis, in the beginning, God said, let there be, and there was. We see in John, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It is the expression of God. It is these words that we can now take and hear them and be changed by them. Don't allow these words to go over your head and not penetrate your life because they will change how you live. In Proverbs 18, 21, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. There is power, there is substance in your words. They are things. They are tools in your hand. And you can construct and you can tear down. But there is power in those things. There is power in what you say and there is power in what God is saying to you. And I want you all to know here today that your sins are forgiven. This is Jesus' words to us. What are they going to do? How are they going to affect us? Will we stay crippled or will we hear them and will we get up and live? Let's pray. Father, I have for so long failed to see the value of of words and the things that I say. Lord, I know there are many people who think, well, I have nothing to say, and they they think that they have nothing to contribute, but they don't realize that their words are things. They are powerful, and they can build up, they can encourage, or we can tear down. And some of us, Lord, our own self-talk is destroying us. We're telling ourselves things that are bringing us down. 
And maybe part of what needs to happen is we need to change our own conversation that we're having with ourselves. One that is stopping us from moving forward and pressing on. God, I am thankful for all the people who have spoken into my life. From my mom to my teachers to people who have shared important things, who have encouraged me. Lord, I am here today because of the words spoken in my life. And Lord, I want to be able to do that to others as well. May we all take the power that is ours with what we can say and use it wise because of it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May you hear God's words over you that your sins are forgiven. And may you use your words to build your future and shape the environment lives of those around you. Happy Father's Day. God bless you guys. Have an amazing day. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.